My mother, my daughter. I have always loved the sight of my mother's face. My Maria is young and radiant, full of possibility. People respond to her. She enters a room, you feel a ray of light. My mother has become invisible. After working so hard making ends meet, she has no support, no money, no man, nothing. I have such great hopes for her that in her life she will have a husband, a home, a job she loves. Some of the things I did not have. My mother had dreams for herself. She forgets that. I don't forget. Maria could have everything. I don't just say that because she's my daughter. I know that. I looked in the mirror just yesterday and I saw her face. Her face in mine. I saw the tired eyes, the lines added, the weight of the world in her eyes, in my eyes. Maria could have the moon if she wanted it. She could have had a very different life. Instead, Instead she married my father. She could have been an actress. She could have been a model. She could have been anything. If I stay here, the same thing will happen to me. Maria thinks that moving to the city will make all her dreams come true. I fear it'll steal the light from her. She gets something in her head and there's no stopping her. What is there for me here? What? Do I marry the neighbor next door? See the same people day after day? The same streets day after day? The same job day after day? That is not enough for me. I can't stay here, Mom. Don't you understand? I'm no, suffocating. I don't understand. I want to be recognized as someone special. I won't be recognized here. I have dreams. You should have dreams. Well, they're too big for this town. You know, people tell me I'm beautiful. You are beautiful. Well, someday I will thank you. Someday I will stand before a crowd Oh my goodness, someday I will stand before a crowd, awe-inspiring, and I'll thank you for, if I don't, <laughs> if I don't take the chance, I'll never know. I have to get out into the world. Okay, You're sorry. laughing at me now? Well, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I understand your longing to leave, to find your own way. I do. Honey, I was young once. I had dreams, but things can happen for you here. Things can happen for me out there, too. You're not thinking. Use your head. What are you going to do? Maria, how are you going to eat? Where will you sleep? What are you going to do for work? What? You think I can't find a job? You do. I'm not stupid. I think you can do anything. But the world is not a safe place for a girl like you. There you go again. What go again? You think again? I'm stupid. I didn't you do. say that. You think You're I can't find a job for myself? You, you think I'm not I able to do that. something for Are myself? Are you hearing me, I'm not going to suffocate here. I don't want you to I'm not going to die in this town. I'm not going to be like you. What? I'm not going to be like you. What does that mean? I'm not going to turn out like you did. What does that mean? You got pregnant and married some fool, gave up your dreams. That fool was your father. Father? Yeah. I would not call him a father. He left you. He left us. How many years has he been gone? What fatherly thing did he ever do for me? 
Maria, you are too young. I'm to old leave. enough to know that this is a trap. And be on your You're own. holding me back. That is the trap. I know what can happen to you. There are no jobs for you. That's encouraging. Thanks. Not the kind of jobs you want. Maria, you don't have an education. Look at you. You're beautiful. Men will take advantage of you. You didn't hear a word I said. Maria, you cannot leave. You cannot change my mind. Maria. Nothing you say, nothing you do. Maria, I'm not scared. Maria, please. What? Isn't there something? Nothing you say will change my mind. Please. She left. I watched the back of her as she walked away from me. And I couldn't stop my own child. My voice calling her name didn't even make her turn around to me. I couldn't convince her to stay. Well, I couldn't sit here and do nothing either. I had to do something. So I decided to follow her into the city. I took all the money I had, which <clears throat> wasn't much. And I had pictures made. And I wrote on them. Dear Mom, you were wrong. I've only been in the city for eight hours, less than a day, but it did not take me long to know this. You are wrong. The lights in this city are brighter than the stars we see from our backyard. There are so many people, so much to look at. I'm not scared. I will find a better life for myself here. I will. I don't know what I will do for supper. Tonight, you will eat what you always eat on Tuesday evenings. I don't miss the routine. Have you seen her? My daughter, Maria. I don't miss you. She is young and radiant. Full of possibility. A beautiful soul. Maria. No, I suppose you wouldn't notice her soul. Yes, I know that's my picture. Look, I think if she sees my face, my eyes, that she... What? Fine. Okay. Do you want money? Fine. I just, I want to know where I can hang these somewhere in this hotel. Is there a bulletin board? In the back. Thank you. Thanks so much. Dear Mother, the city is big. The city is bigger than the world. I sit by myself most mornings, drinking my coffee, wondering what I was looking for. I haven't found it. Is it here? Was it there? Is it anywhere? I, I miss you nagging at me. I'm reminded of my alligator, that silly stuffed animal you'd bring to me at night when my tears would not stop.
Where is my alligator now? You were right. There is nothing for a girl like me to do here. Nothing but shame. But I must get money. And I will never forgive myself for what I do to get money. Have you seen her? My daughter, Maria. Never. I know that. She is I know. young and radiant and full of possibility. Love, Maria. A beautiful soul. No, I just want to hang these, these photos, somewhere in this bar. No, it's not a very flattering photo. Look, I don't care about your opinion of the photo. What I care about is that she, my daughter, Maria, my child, sees my face somewhere in this godforsaken city. Yes, they do all say the same thing. Please, can I just hang them somewhere? I have tape, I have thumbtacks, anywhere. By the bathrooms. Got it. I'll stay out of your way. Dear mother, I will never tell you what I have become. What I do at night, what I do to make money. I will never tell you that I miss the sound of your voice. I miss the smallness of our town. Now, now I am suffocating. It is too big. I'm lost in a sea of people and no one knows me. No one cares, no one sees me, no one. No one. Not like you see me. You could never understand what I had to do. I'm surprised. Have you seen her? My daughter, Maria. I'm surprised by she how much young and radiant, full of possibility. She is a beautiful soul. Yes, I've been there. I've been there. I've been there, too. Listen, I've been here for three months, so I've been to every corner of this city. I have plastered my face in every hotel and dive bar up Main Street, Washington, Sprague. Of course I'm desperate. I have nothing left. No money, no more tears, nothing but these last few photos. And I am not going home until somebody says yes. And I am really hoping that somebody is you. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound.
that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. Hey, Maria, I saw this at the bar. Looks a lot like you. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. The heart that you have for us is that very same heart. That whatever we've done, whatever we've become, your heart for us, your desire for us is to come home. Lord, some of us um, have dealt with kids that are far from you, friends that have abandoned you, abandoned us, people we love and we care about that we are estranged from right now. That's my prayer today, God, that you give us hope again, that you'd help us to never give up, You'd help us to leave this place determined and empowered to be just like you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're going to take a look at uh, Luke chapter 15, if you've got your Bible. What you just saw was the modern retelling of the story of the prodigal son, or in this case, the prodigal daughter. And it's one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. And I want to explain something. Some of you are parents, and you have been there you know exactly where there is. It is a place of pain and agony where you have uh, stayed awake at night, where you've wept a, a river for your children. And some of you relate very well to this issue of having a prodigal son or daughter who's wandered off and far from God. Some of us have friends. Maybe you think, well, I'm not a parent yet. I, I, I don't even like kids. I don't want to ever have... Well, you have friends. You probably know people in your life 
that have been estranged from you or from God. And what we're going to talk about today are some things we can do when that happens. I'm going to land on the story of the prodigal father and son out of Luke 15. I'm going to focus on the parent-child relationship. But trust me, even if that's not you and you're not there, this, these principles, these truths will apply to all of us. I remember as a young pastor, 20 years old, a youth pastor at Faith Center in Eugene, Oregon, and a mother called me in a panic one night. And she said, my daughter's run away from home. I don't know what to do. And I will never forget that conversation because of the terror, the panic in her voice. I mean, that sick feeling, my daughter's gone. I don't know where she's at. I don't know what she's going to get herself into. I don't even know where to look. That pain, that suffering that she experienced. I had a dad several years ago call me and said, my son, who's been far from us, far from God for a long time, I finally got a call, but it was from jail. He said, Dad, can you come and bail me out? And again, I will remember it because of the panic and the brokenness in his voice. I could tell you dozens, probably hundreds of stories of parents who've struggled with a child or people who've struggled with other relationships that they've, they've seen go broken, go south, and end up in, in despair. But I, I want to talk today, what do we do when people fail? Especially, what do we do when our kids fail? And how do we res respond rather than react? And if you don't hear anything today, hear that. It's always better to respond rather than react. But how do we do that? What does that look like? Luke chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters. It's, it's, uh, Jesus tells three stories about lost being found. I'm going to focus on verse 11 through 24. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Dad said, okay, here you go. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him out to, feed, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. This kid is now in a horrible place. Verse 17, when he came to his census. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. He went home. But while he was still a long way off, I love this part of the story. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Verse 21, the son said to him, the, the, the speech he'd rehearsed probably a hundred times, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, so they began to celebrate. They, they began to party I love this story told by Jesus. And in many ways, it reveals to us the heart of Father God for us. But it also gives us an insight into what to do when people fail us, and especially when our kids are far from God and they fail. And here's the first thing, if you're following along and taking notes this morning. Number one, provide more counsel than attempted control. Provide more counsel than attempted control. One of the realities of dealing with grown-up kids is that you still have all the same concerns and worries and fears, but absolutely no control. And I'm telling you, if you're a little bit of a control freak like I am, that's really hard to deal with. 
when they're little and they mess up, they blow it, what do you do? Well, you discipline them, you take away a privilege, you put them in a timeout. In fact, I found this picture of a kid in a timeout. It's classic. That's a serious timeout. <laughs> Don't you wish you could do that with your grown-up kids sometimes? You listen, you have made a big mistake. You go to your room. You, take, you have a timeout. You need to stop and think about what you've done. I mean, I tell you, I know that you wish you could do that at times with your kids. But control eventually fades, and sometimes sooner than later. And sooner than later, we end up on the sidelines watching our kids in frustration, knowing that there's very little, if anything, we can do. And it kills us to watch our kids make mistakes, especially if they're the same mistakes that we've made. Been there. A while ago, I watched one of my adult children make some decisions that uh, really, it was very distressing to me, and I, I knew it wasn't right, and trust me, I wanted to step in and take control and, and deal with this and, and kind of insert myself, and yet I realized that, that that was not the answer, that, again, really two things hit me. One is that some lessons are only learned the hard way. I wish that wasn't true. Don't you wish that wasn't true? That, that, that we could just learn vicariously through someone else or just learn from what we can read in a book. And the, yes, we can learn things, and those are always good things, and we can learn from other people. But the sad truth is, how many of you have learned a lesson the hard way? Oh, yeah, everybody, about 99.9. The others are sleeping. I mean, we've all, we've all had to, to learn lessons, and that's one of the things I realized. There's some things, they only go really deep, and you get it, and when you actually go through it and learn it the hard way... And the second thing I realized is that rather than foolishly trying to control that situation with my adult ch child, it was better to simply offer counsel to say, is there anything I can do? And have you thought about this? Verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said, Father, give me my share. I want what I want. And the father divided. So, so he divided his property between them. And what I want you to see here in the story is that the prodigal son's father agreed to divide his wealth. And I'm sure he wasn't excited about that. Undoubtedly, he disagreed with his son's decision. Certainly, he didn't want his kid to do that. And he probably wanted to control his younger son to control that and not let that happen. But what I want you to notice here in the story is he didn't. In fact, he let him go. And it's hard. It is hard to let go. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you will be there someday. And you'll remember these words. I remember when Bubna said, it's, oh man, it's hard to let go. It's hard to watch our sons and daughters fail. It's hard. But a futile attempt at trying to exercise control is not the best thing we can do. The best thing we can offer is godly counsel and hope and pray that they will have ears to hear. Why? Because that takes us to the second thing I want you to understand. That helps us build bridges instead of barriers. Build bridges, not barriers with your children. Maybe you've noticed that when someone hurts us or lets us down, that we tend to uh, separate ourselves emotionally and physically from that person who's wounded us. Child, adult, parent, you know, friend, we get hurt, and our natural tendency, our human tendency is to protect ourselves. We, we, we build a barrier. Why? Because we want to protect our hearts. And, and it's easier to isolate and to insulate than it is to continue to integrate our, our hearts and lives with people who are wounding us. I know. I understand that, and that's our, our natural tendency. But we've got to continue to build a bridge, to maintain a bridge and build a bridge to those people. Now, I do believe that there's a place for boundaries. And they go, well, wait a minute, Are there, is there a difference? Yes, there is a difference between a boundary and a barrier. 
And at times we need to create a boundary. There's a, there's a line, margin, that, that we need to say, this is, this is, the, this is where it's, you should be, and, that's, and this is okay, and that's not. In fact, I've got a picture that I want you to see that makes this clear. I mean, there's a line there. Now you realize, man, if I go across that, I'm going to step into the rail tracks and die. Boundaries are okay. Having some margin is okay. But having a barrier is not. i got another picture I want you to see. Most of you recognize this. It's the Great Wall of China. And it's thousands, you know, hundreds of miles long, and it was, you know, built to keep out, you know, the, the enemies. Well, we can't afford to build barriers like that between us and people, and especially between us and children. Or children. Barriers and boundaries are not the same thing. For example, a boundary says it's okay. Uh, excuse me, it's not okay for you to physically, emotionally, or physically abuse me, and it's not okay. And that's, that is a, a healthy boundary. But a barrier says, I am rejecting you. Because of what you've done, regardless of who you are, I want nothing to do with you. I'm cutting you off and I'm cutting you out of my life. That's a barrier and that's a bad thing to do. And I see it a lot. I see it all too often. And again, our natural tendency when we're hurt is we want to just isolate, insulate. And so we build this barrier. And a parent or child is extremely wounded. They're deeply disappointed. And, and, and their actions or through their actions or their words, they create this grand canyon of separation between them and that person who hurt them, that great wall of China, and that's not healthy. And I want you to understand, listen, God is never that way toward you and me. That is not the heart of Father God toward us and not the heart he wants us to have toward our children. Luke 15, 18, it says, the son says, I will set out and go back to my father. And I love this insight, is that the, the kid's in a miserable place. He's messed up, he's, he's completely blown it, but it tells us here that this, that this son decided to go back. And what that reveals to us is that the father must have maintained. He had this bridge still to his boy. There was a way home for this boy to come. And the son knew it, that there was still a bridge to his dad. I want to plead with some of you today. I want to beg some of you. Even though you've been deeply wounded and hurt, and, and it, you feel like it's easier just to cut them off and let it go. Even if your son or daughter has rejected everything you stand for, never reject them. Let them know that they are always precious to you for who they are, regardless of what they do. Because that's the unconditional love that God has for you and me. And that's the unconditional love he wants us to have for others. The Bible calls us, in fact, to live at peace with everyone. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, and so you can't control other people, but as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's the challenge and the call of scriptures. Years ago, uh, some of you might remember the Motel 6 commercials that uh, we'll leave the light on for you. In fact, I've got a picture of, Motel. I found this this week, uh, it cracked me up, the little uh, statement there. Next year's Super Bowl will be played at Motel 6. They'll leave the light on for us, if you remember the Super Bowl. That's very, very cute, very wise. But the idea here is the whole, no matter how late you, think, you, know, you get in, no matter how tired you are, no matter how beat up you are from, from your journey, Motel 6 had this, we'll leave the light on for you. There's always a place for you here. My encouragement to you, listen to me, my encouragement slash challenge, my admonition to you is to always keep the light on for your child no matter what doesn't mean you condone their actions. It doesn't mean you turn a blind eye to what they've done. But always leave the light on. Always build and maintain a bridge to your kids. Be sure that they know that there's always a path home for them. Here's the third thing we could do. Number three, pray hard for their repentance and return. 
I cannot under, uh, overstate how important this is. I, it, this, this is huge that we maintain an attitude of prayer. And here's why. Because I know that God hears the, the humble cry of a mom or a dad. I know that of all the prayers God hears, I know for fact that he hears us. When I was far from God in my 20s and I was the prodigal son who rejected God and everything and everybody, two people stood faithfully in prayer for me. One of them was my wife and the other was my mama. And I, I know that my mom ached and agonized. My wife, they kept praying for me and they never gave up. They stood in the gap. There's in Ezekiel chapter 22. There's this phrase, it's somewhat of a churchy religious phrase, but it's a word picture that I, I actually do like. It's, and, and it's the, the picture of standing in the gap. That here's where your child is and here's where they need to be. And we stand in the gap between them in prayer. Every day in a thousand ways we bring them to the Father in prayer. And we pray this prayer, Father, your kingdom come, your will, will be done. The Lord's prayer, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done in their life as it is in heaven. We keep praying. We keep knocking on heaven's door. We keep asking God to intervene in their life and to pursue them and to draw them and to woo them back to him and to us. Pray hard. Pray hard for their repentance, for their return. But here's the other thing that prayer does that I want to underline. Certainly we pray for them. We're praying for restoration. But one of the things that's awesome about prayer is what it does for us. You see, one of the things that prayer does is that it keeps us focused on the one who is able, listen, who is able to redeem, restore, and renew. He's the one we want to stay focused on because when we just focus on our kid or focus on the problem or focus on this person, that's when we start to lose hope. And when I talk to parents or people, they say, I've given up, I've lost all hope. I know, without even saying it, I know that what they're saying is, I've taken my eyes off of the Father and I've put my eyes on this person or this situation. And that is a guaranteed path to hopelessness. And one of the great things about prayer, I love this about prayer, is that the more we come to God, the more focused we can remain and will remain on him. And why is that important? Listen, because he is able. He can do way more than you could ever do. He's got the power. He's got the life. He's got the, the Holy Spirit that comes and invades them wherever they are. You may have no idea where that child is or where that person is. You may have lost complete contact with them, but God hasn't. He knows. He knows every, it's just, we can't even understand. It blows our mind. He knows everything about everything about everything. And the, one of the things we need to do, if we're, if the, the secret to maintaining hope no matter what is, oh God, I'm just going to fix my eyes on you. I'm going to keep praying and hoping in you because I know that you are able. Prayer keeps us humble and desperate for God. And that's a good thing, by the way. I have the sneaky suspicion that God sometimes allows stress into our lives to keep us humble and dependent on him. That's a good place for us to be where we realize that we can't do it on our own. And another thing about prayer, and this is huge, prayer reminds us that we are not alone in our spiritual battle for our children or in our spiritual battle for our friend. Prayer reminds us that we are not alone. This is not just about what we can do. Ephesians 6, 12, Paul says, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And Paul's describing that there is this warfare going on. We don't see it with our human eyes. Oh, way too often we're not aware of it. We don't, we're not cognizant of its reality. And yet, guys, the Bible says, and not just in Ephesians, but, but there's this battle happening all the time for the hearts and souls of men and women. There's this battle happening between forces of darkness and forces of, of light. Now, here's the good news is we've already won. God's already won the battle. 
But it's kind of like the wrap-up of, okay, there's still some evil here and evil there, and we are extending the kingdom of God, and, and, and as we pray, as we ask God to move, we are, we are enjo- joining the spiritual forces against darkness in the lives of a people that we care about, in the lives of our ch- children. One of my mentors and heroes had uh, a daughter uh, years ago, wandered far from God, just went off the deep end. And I know it broke his heart, but I watched him pray without ceasing. I watched him pray for her, and, and he, he loved her, maintained that bridge to her. And today, she's not only a back walking with Jesus, but she's a mom and a, and a wife and an amazing woman. And I watch this. I learned this by watching him. The power of prayer. Sometimes we discount. Well, I prayed a thousand times. Pray 10,000 times. Well, I prayed for years. Pray for decades. Keep your focus on the one who can change lives. In Luke chapter 18, another parable, which I won't take the time to unpack today, but it's the parable of the persistent widow. And it's a great story. And, and one of the things that we know about this parable, it's not very often when a parable is given to us in the scriptures and it tells us right up front what the point is. When Luke 18, 1, at the beginning of this parable, Luke wrote, then Jesus told his disciples a parable, and here's why. To show them that they should always pray and not give up. And it's the story of this persistent widow who kept going after. And, and the point is, be like that with God. Keep praying and don't give up. I know how hard it is to keep going sometimes. I know how hard it is to believe that they'll, that they'll actually change. I know how easy it is to give up, but we must continue and pray like lives depend on it because they do. Back in Luke 15, it doesn't say in the story that the prodigal father prayed for his son. It's not even really necessarily implied, but you know, I know it happened, and here's why. Because it says in verse 20 that the prodigal son's father saw him coming when he was still a long way off. Well, what do you mean? The dad was looking for his son. He never gave up hope. And I know that that hope only comes through prayer. That kind of hope only comes as you keep your eyes focused on God. One last thing, number four. What do you do? Well, when they do come home, embrace and forgive them without delay. I cannot promise you that every child, every broken relationship will always be healed and restored. I, I, I wish I could. I, I, I don't, I, I can't go there. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep believing and keep praying and, and, and never give up no, no matter what. But I, what I do know from firsthand experience, from what I've seen in the lives of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, probably thousands of people, is that there, there, there will come a point in time in many of their lives when the, that child, that person, that estranged friend, they'll come home, they'll come back. And what's on us at that point is to forgive. Ever knows how hard it is to forgive anyone? It's really hard. It's hard to let the past go. It's hard not to want to make somebody pay for all the pain they've caused us. Again, human nature, you have so deeply wounded and hurt me. I'm not going to let you get off that easy. I'm not going to forgive you. I've suffered too much. And I used to have a very difficult time relating to this story in Luke 15 because the father in that story, the prodigal son's father, was not at all like my dad. My dad had conditional love and conditional forgiveness. And there was always something that, I forgive you, but you better never do it again. I forgive you, but I hope you know how upset you've made me. I forgive you, but you've embarrassed the family. I forgive you, but the next time, boy, I'm going to take, my dad was kind of famous. You know, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. 
And he usually said it with a smile on his face, but not always. Listen to me. True forgiveness never has a but attached to it. Write it down. B-U-T. True forgiveness. You guys, what? True forgiveness never has a but attached to it. We can never say, I love you, but if we are demonstrating the true love of the Father. We can never say, I forgive you, but if we are forgiven, forgiving as we have been forgiven. Forgiveness is hard, I know, but it's always the right thing to do, and it must be offered with no strings attached. We forgive as we have been forgiven. When the father saw his son at a distance, I love this story, he took off running. He, he, he could not wait for his kid. He wasn't sitting there, well, we'll see how far he gets. No, man, he was up and going for it. He ran for his son. And then he demonstrated this incredible mercy and grace as he said to, to those in his household, go get the best robe and sandals and a ring and, and kill that old fat calf. We're going to have a party. He was, he was excited. And there was no hesitation on his part to forgive his son. And can you imagine, guys, put yourself in the, the shoe sons now. The shoe son, the son's shoes. You know what I mean. Imagine how that kid felt. Imagine how he felt, how wounded he had, he, he had hurt his father, how much he'd wasted. And that now daddy is saying in verse 23, let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now is found. Can I encourage you to never give up on your kids? Never give up on that person. Never give up on that one who's so let you down. And when they do come home, don't, don't even hesitate for a second. Be watching, run to them, be merciful and kind, and then be ready to party, to celebrate their return. One last story, and I'm done. Quite some time ago, uh, some friends of mine went through almost a decade of trouble with their son. Uh, most of his 20s, he uh, was far from God. He'd grown up in a Christian home, went to Christian school, been a part of a healthy Christian church, went off to college and just went completely wild. I mean, pretty similar to this son in the story of Luke 15. He, he went crazy and, and rejected everything. Everything he'd ever learned, everything knew about God, he just rejected it all. And add to that, then he got involved in drugs, and then he started selling drugs to help pay for his college education. Innovative, but not a good idea. And I watched my friends for almost 10 years. Not a week, not a month, not a year, almost a decade. I watched them pray, pray hard. I watched them work hard at maintaining a bridge to their son. And yeah, they had boundaries. He wasn't allowed to come home with drugs. And there, there are certainly things they said, son, we love you, but that's not okay. But they maintained a bridge to that boy. And they never built a barrier, never shut him out of their lives. And I, again, I will never forget the night I got a call. About, I was just getting ready for bed. And I got a call from my friend. says, Kurt, John's come home. And we wept together over that phone, realizing that the 10 years of prayers had finally come, finally been answered. Never give up. Never stop believing and hoping in God. And always maintain that bridge with your children and welcome them home with open arms and arms and open heart when they do come. Why? Because that's what Father God has done for us. Let's pray together. Let me pray for you. Father, I know um, that some sitting in this room right now or watching online or listening on the radio, they are right there 
They've got a son or daughter, a friend, somebody they deeply love that has wandered from them, from you, and they ache. Lord, I know. I know the ache. The agony, the sleepless nights, the stress, the fear, the guilt, the shame, the what could I have done better? I know all those things, Lord, that so many wrestle and struggle with. And my most, my biggest prayer right now, Lord, my, the most important thing I want to ask you is that you would turn their eyes to you right now and that they would find again hope. That you would breathe by the Holy Spirit hope into their hearts and lives right now. Some of them have not given up. Some of them have. But God, wherever they're at in their journey with that one who has wandered far from them, God, I pray by the Holy Spirit's power, you'd breathe hope into their souls again. And that you draw them to a place where they would believe again and never give up. Because you never give up on us. Give them that power that comes from you. That ability that comes from you. That hope that comes from you right now. Some of you are listening, and you're the prodigal son or daughter. You're the one that's wandered off, and somehow you ended up here on this radio station or at this website, and you're, man, you, you're, you're blown away right now because you know God has, has kept a bridge to you. He's, he's kept a light on for you. And the, the, God's desire for you is to come home, and you know it's time. You know it's time. I want to encourage you today. Come to your senses just like that prodigal son did and say, Father, I've sinned and I'm here. And know that all of heaven will celebrate that decision. Some of you have never started, never begun your relationship as a Christ follower. But today's the day and you know it's time for you to say yes to God. I'm going to pray this very simple prayer. And what I'm going to ask you to do is just, if this is your heart, this is your desire, make my words yours right now. Father, forgive me for I have sinned, I have failed, I have, I have wandered far from what you want far from what I know I need to be. And so right now I come to you broken, humbled, realizing my sin, desperate for a Savior, and I say, Jesus, I'm yours. Father, I'm home. Take my life. Take all of me. I surrender it all to you. From this day on, I'm going to walk with you in relationship with my Father forever. If that's you, that's your heart, just again, you're always saying, yep, God, that's me. That's so what I want. The Bible says the moment you do, you can see the big old arms of God. He's been running for you already. And now he's wrapping those arms around you saying, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to take our offering now, and uh, if you've got the communication card, you drop that in. Give to support what God's doing here, but listen to me. We're going to sing this last song. Would you make this your prayer as we do? Let's worship, and I'll come back and wrap it up. Even in our wandering, he's true, he's faithful, he loves us, and that's the heart he wants us to have for everyone around us. Today, if you came home, or if you began your life as a Christ follower, I want to encourage you to tell someone, let them know. We want to walk with you in that journey. By uh, the doors and the tables, there's a white envelope that says, New Believers, pack it out. It's got a Bible, some trick, you study and walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up, but please let us walk with you. If you need prayer, prayer team will be down front. There's communion both sides of the room. Please see Sarah if you can help us with Easter. Stop the information table, ladies, and sign up for the women's luncheon. But here's my prayer for you. Go this week, building bridges to people who perhaps are far from God. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today.